I teach yoga and I am a strength and conditioning and mobility coach, but I'm not trying to teach somebody to pole vault. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Jen can do that. Yeah, that's what we want for. Right, right. You're listening to the Make It Train podcast with Jen and Sarah. Cross-conditioning training helps people move and feel better by focusing on functionality instead of performance. Hear their thoughts about training, running, health, and wellness as part of today's active lifestyle. Hi, it's Sarah Pay here. I've got Alex Bolowitz with me, and I'm really excited to bring him on the podcast today for a number of reasons. One, he's one of my favorite people in the world. Um, Alex and I worked together as trainers. Gosh, has how many years has it been since we first began? I think it was seven. Has it been seven yeah, years? Yes. Seven. So um, our relationship has definitely looked different as far as our connection through work and um, and even in enjoying doing things together over the years. But uh, I'm excited to have brought him on today, um, reconnecting um, after after a little bit of a hiatus. But Today, I'm bringing him on to allow him to share kind of what he's doing, how his career has evolved from training in the physical space to training in the mental space. So tell us a little bit about where you began uh, and how you landed where you are today. Yeah, sure. So I grew up in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. I was a soccer player growing up, a goalkeeper. Um, played for my dad, and he was a soccer coach at UNC Chapel Hill for the longest time, but I ended up playing underneath him at Creighton University. Graduated there, and I always wanted to get into soccer coaching. So as soon as I graduated, I got hired by a soccer organization in Charlotte. Moved here in 2015, and I decided to get my personal training certification as well. So that's when I met you and started working alongside you at Kinetic Heights, or Carolina Sweat first of all. Um, but then after a while of soccer coaching, I started to see how many players were just not really materializing to their potential. And I was like, it's all due to their psychology. And that's what prompted me to enroll in my master's program. And I got a graduate degree in sport and performance psychology through the University of Western States. And as soon as I got that, it took me a few months, but then I opened up my own business, Elite Mental Performance. And now I work with athletes across the nation on how to master the mental game. Got it. So when you first began to see this gap between potential and performance, what made you realize that that this was the path that you needed to take to help to help athletes? Had it been your own experience or um, had you had like a coach maybe along the way who helped you or what what made you realize that this was the way to really get to the bottom of of that gap? Yeah, no, that's a great question. It's pretty multifaceted, honestly. Being a goalkeeper itself presents a lot of psychological demands in the sport of soccer. And then playing underneath my dad adds another layer of that demand. And then playing at a very high-profile Division One school, another demand. So I experienced these demands, and if I'm being really honest with myself, did not do the best job of keeping my focus and being able to maintain what I needed to maintain in between the ears in order to maximize my performance. And I know that looking at hindsight 2020. So there's that element to it. 
And then when I see the same thing happening to players in middle school and high school before they're even getting to college, I'm looking at this saying, we don't offer enough of this kind of training. And I was, that's why I was like, there's a lot of sports performance trainers out there. There's a lot of coaches out there, but there's not that many mental performance coaches out there. There's not many sports psychology consultants working with these athletes on a daily basis. So from those two angles, both personal experience and what I was seeing in the youth soccer space. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, we hear a lot about mental health right now. We hear about mental wellness and then you're talking about mental performance. So speak to the difference between those two things, just briefly, like how how those spaces, how they're different, how they connect and which ones you are involved in. Yeah, it's a great question. And one that I really want to help people understand, there's three layers of disciplines underneath psychology or sports psychology, one of them being mental health, where you're looking to get a diagnosis or treatment for mental health related issues. You're probably going to see someone who's clinically licensed in this field or licensed to do clinical work in this field, such as depression or anxiety, something that is a daily behavior, emotion that's holding them back. Mental wellness is in the middle. Mental wellness is establishing balance in one's life from a holistic standpoint, just making sure that things are going in a good direction and establishing a really strong foundation. And then mental performance is building on top of that foundation. So now we're just not looking for balance, but we're looking for excellence. So how can I take what I already have and then start to train it to get to that next level? I work in both the wellness and performance spaces. I don't work in the mental health space simply because I am not licensed as a clinician to do so. Otherwise, it's not a space that I would refrain from. Right. And I would definitely encourage people to seek out the proper personnel, uh, no matter what they're going through in their life. Um, It's just not something that I'm licensed to do. Yeah. And I I get that. I mean, I, I teach yoga and I am a strength and conditioning and mobility coach, but I'm not trying to teach somebody to pole vault. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yep. Jen can do that. <laughs> yeah. That's what we have her for. Right. Right. So I think it's, yeah, it's certainly important for us to stay in our lane and within our specialties. So, um, well, what does that look like then for you? Like, let's say, I, I know that you're, you've got a, a few youth clients. You've got some people who you're working with, maybe even cur- in career transitions who are older. You've got athletes what you do can apply to all areas of life and all disciplines. So give me just like a couple scenarios of some specifics and, and what that looks like for you. Yeah, no, that's a good one. So if I were to address the one that the client that I'm working with going through a career transition, there's a little bit of a existential crisis involved with understanding who I am, right? right. And understanding their meaning, their place in the world, their place within themselves and their place within society. So I help understand, I help them understand who they are to their identity, create a value system and really have something so strong in their foundation that they could go through any career change. And as long as they have themselves and they have their, you know, things that guide them, they're in good hands, right? So that's one example. Another example on the other end of it would be working with a distance runner who struggles with running in the cold Mm -hmm. and you know, he comes to me saying he gets really shallow breath and he starts to hyperventilate and this starts to drain energy out of him when he's on his run. So a training method that I'll have for him is, you know, hey, 
every day for five minutes, like you're going to take a freezing cold shower or go into a cold plunge or an ice bath, something of the sort, something that's really going to make you extremely uncomfortable. We're going to ignite that amygdala, that fight or flight response, and we're going to train how to breathe through that process. So you're getting that element of self-discipline within it, and you're training your body in that environment, but in a safe way, something right. that's not actually going to physically harm him, but it's going to replicate the same neurological responses that he would see before a match. So there, he's going into a little bit better. That's just kind of a, that's one end of the areas I work in versus the other. Gotcha. I love what you have to say about values because I, I think that that applies to anyone and everyone. And mm -hmm. even with my kids, I mean, I talk to them about that all the time and, and did from a very young age, like being able to name what's important to you, um, like at the core, like what, what motivates you, what pushes you forward, what makes you get out of bed in the morning, like your, your icky guy, plan to Vita, like, like, what is it that, that makes you go like light your fire? And, um, I think that any of us can really be helped by taking time to work through that. And sometimes it's just a matter of having somebody help you name those things. So what does that look like for you when you take them through that first step of like naming their values and beginning to, um, become firm in their identity? Like, do you have a, a strategy or a system or like a evaluation that you take them through or what does that kind of look like? Yeah. So the way that I do this, it's different for everyone in my field. They have their own assessments or mm -hmm. evaluations that they run it through. I like to use two assessments. One of them is called the personal values quiz or test. You can take it online. It's free. It's easy. It's fun. It just talks about how you view one value over the other, accountability versus discipline or curiosity versus creativity. Mm -hmm. You know, which one do you rank a little bit higher? And you go through that through about 64 different values and it'll take about 20, 25 minutes. It'll give you your top five. But I don't say that these assessments are going to wholly encompass you, right? This is just going to help guide you and point you in direction. You may look at these and say, oh, those are pretty accurate. Or you may look at them and be like, huh, I didn't really think that that would be a value of mine based off of this assessment. The next one's a VIA strengths character survey. So that one, there's a youth one and an adult one also takes about 20 minutes or so, gives you a list of values, uh, 24 of them, and it'll show you all the values. It's free as well. It'll show you from one to 24, which one are your strengths. VIA stands for values in action. And again, that's just another thing that's going to help guide you in a direction of trying to understand a little bit more about who you are. After that's taken, then I sit down with them and say, hey, we have this information. How does this apply to you? How does this guide your behavior in a direction which you want it to be, right? So we're trying to establish your 1.0 version of yourself. And then what you want to be is your 2.0 version of yourself. So then it's now which values do we need to really hone in on to get to that 2.0 version of yourself? Whatever your goal may be, whatever your why is, whatever you're trying to do and go, we break it down though because 64 values is a lot. Right. <laughs> 24 values is a lot. Yeah. So I'm like, what are the three? Right? Yes. What are the three most important ones? And then we start to understand what do those look like in action, right? If discipline's one of those, what does that look like for you? Depending on what you're doing. It could be as simple as waking up early and making your bed. Right. That is a form of self-discipline. Yep. And it goes all the way to the top. It's funny that you say that because that was something that during COVID I did. I was like, man, this is going to be a rough season. I was like, I got to have some things to make me feel 
like I'm at least having rhythm to my day. And I remember getting up and making my bed was one thing that I never missed (laughs) during that season. And it really did impact the rest of my day, just doing that one thing. So once they've named their values and they've put these behaviors into action, then what's next? Like they begin to form patterns, habits. Yes. So the values come first because that's what's generating your mindset and your behaviors. And behaviors are what drive success, right? Success is however you define it, that is what you're going for. But in order to get there, there's steps that you're taking. Those are your habits, right? And habits are patterns. And over time, depending on the severity of or the deepness and the quotient of the change you're looking to make, it could be something that takes 60 to 75 days to create a habit. If you're looking for a big lifestyle change, you're looking at a long period of time. But if you're looking for something small and simple, it could take as easy as one week to three weeks for you to create that habit. But ultimately, those values will guide your decisions. Those are your behaviors that are going to form your habits. Habits then form patterns. And those patterns are going to ultimately dictate where you land in your area of success. So the habits are then, what are we doing on a daily basis, whether it's journaling, meditation, you know, that cold shower that yeah. I was talking about earlier, right. those are the habits. Yeah. Right? So, but before we get there, we establish the value. So this morning we were driving home from the mountains. We spent a couple of nights up there with my parents and we were talking to my oldest son, who's getting ready to go on a kind of an intense, long, very high altitude camping trip this summer. And we know that he struggles with altitude sickness, like his whole entire life he has. And there's a part of me that wants to say, this is not for you. But then there's another part of me that's like, how about we just figure out how to get you through this? And like, it's going to suck. Like, no matter what we do, like, you can't really train for altitude if you're not in altitude. There's some things that we've kind of researched that he could work through. Part of it, though, is just going to be him being prepared to suffer. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so let's say that I were to send him to you to prepare for this trip? What would be something that you might tell him or some of the strategies you might give him to work through so that he's more prepared for this type of situation? Yeah, no, that's a really good example. So with in an ideal world, I would actually love to go on this elevation with him yeah. and be there in person. But mm-hmm. if I can't, no problem. I can give him the tools to train him when he's there. Right. So the first thing is I generating the awareness, right? The mindfulness. What is it that you're experiencing somatically, Mm -hmm. right? Tightness in the chest, heavy breathing, whatever it may be, nauseousness. And then where does that actually start to happen, right? At what what elevation, what altitude? So we start to develop this understanding of what's happening, when it's happening, where it's happening. And then it's like, okay, when you're about to hit that again, you now have a certain breathing mechanism that we're going to follow through. So let's say it's, you know, a three, 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 where there are four stages of your breath. You have the bottom, the inhale, the top and the exhale. Right. We're just going to say three second inhale, three second hold, three second exhale. Right. That's going to help relax the central nervous system. That's going to help reduce all of the anxiety that may be creeping in. Mm-hmm. So now we're training that symptom. Right. right. That's a symptom of the cause. So we're going to help pair it from one of two angles. And we're going to actually start training the cause. The cause is, what is it that you can actually gain from this? What is it that you are looking forward to from this challenge? Because if you're just going in it thinking, oh no, I'm about to get sick, or oh no, I don't want to feel this way, you shift your mindset, you start to train the cause, and that's gonna be, okay, I'm going to get challenged today. Right? But what is it that I'm doing? Why am I doing this? 
right? right? How is this going to help me? If he's wanting to become, you know, expert climber, that's very obvious how it's going to help him. Sure. He could also look at it from a more of a metaphorical personal standpoint where this is actually helping me for maybe training myself for when I get anxiety down the road in a future situation. Maybe it's his first job interview and he starts to feel the same somatic symptoms. But he's like, you know what? If I was able to combat that at this elevation, I can use those same tools to combat that in this job interview. Right. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. No. And that that makes perfect sense. Well, it's funny because I thought about this morning and I was like, what am I going to do with you? How am I going to help you train? And I know for me, like I have some tools, breath work that I can work with him on. But I was like, maybe I need to maybe I need to send you to Alex. Yeah. <laughs> so, send him over. I love to talk with him. Well, um, I love that we've been able to spend this time together today. And um, I I think it's interesting because way back when I remember watching you train and thinking that there was so much more there as a coach. And I, I often felt like you were maybe even frustrated that you didn't have the opportunity to to like bring a little bit more in, onto the training floor just because there wasn't the time or the space or maybe it wasn't the right platform. So I'm excited for you and for the people who you're working with and, and for our community. So um, how how and where can people find you? I know that you you have a good social media presence and I think you're getting ready to do a workshop coming up. Is that right? Yes. So good question. You can find me on my website, which is elitementalperformance.net. You can also find me on my Instagram handle, which is elite underscore mental performance. And on both of those platforms, I have the information for this workshop. It's a virtual workshop. It's free to anyone who wants to join. It's February 4th. That's Saturday at 10 a.m. And what I want people to understand is there's going to be athletes and people from all disciplines. So it's going to be focused on mental toughness, which is done through exposure therapy techniques. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to break down what mental toughness is in the four areas and then how you can train one of those areas. And it's 50 minutes long. Um, and anyone who has any questions after that is happy to reach out to me. Um, and I'm also going to be launching a promotion for uh, the first 10 athletes after that um, to sign up for my elite plan. So if people tune in and they like what they see and they want to sign up for something a little bit more long-term, then there's going to be a promotion attached to it. Well, and even if you're listening to this after the fact, I'm sure that there's still great content out there that you offer. And uh, It won't be the last workshop. It won't be the last workshop, I'm last. sure. I'm going to be hosting <laughs> Yes, that. and yes. hopefully it won't be the last time that we get to talk here either. So I know. thanks so much for joining us today. Um, signing off and make it train with CCT. Catch you later. Thanks, Alex. You've been listening to the Make It Train podcast. To connect with Jen and Sarah, find them on Instagram at jen.w.dufrain and at Sarah Pay Fitness. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you can be notified when future episodes are released. 